Today I have a Father's Day message, but I'm also talking about principles of the kingdom. And today, this is a special word for dads because this principle is one that you have the responsibility to ensure that it's carried out in your home, to ensure that it's carried out in your family extended wise at your place of work and in your community. Today I want to talk about the principle of freedom. Freedom is a kingdom principle and I'm going to talk to you about that today. I'm not going to bother doing any review of what we did before. You need to go online and just look it up. Barry last week talked about being a citizen of the kingdom. First week we talked about how the most important uh, principle, the foundational principle of the kingdom life is that kingdom is transcendent. It's priority number one. It's underneath everything else that we do in life. But today we talk about the principle of freedom. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. Paul the apostle wrote this and he said, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Did you catch that this morning? It is for freedom that Christ set you free. He set you free in order that you may live free. Jesus sets us free so that we can be free. He doesn't set us free so that we can be free in eternity. He sets us free so we can be free here right now as well. Amen? That Paul is saying that God has set you free. So don't go back and make yourself a slave again. But I have positioned you for freedom. Freedom is the foundation that God's kingdom principles can work and operate upon. That's why the scripture says, now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We say that all the time, but it's true. It's not just a cliche. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When you enter into a, a, a family of God, of believers, and you meet these people, they are the freest people that you will ever meet. That is why even when government regimes try to stifle the gospel, that the people, even in countries like communist China and, and other nations like that, the church is larger and growing there than anywhere else because freedom will not be canceled. Amen? Freedom cannot be stifled. Freedom, Christ set us free to be free. So they exercise that liberty, even at the risk of the government arresting them or doing anything else. They said, no, we shall be free. Amen? We shall be free. Hallelujah. Where the life and presence of God is given preeminence, there is freedom. We are set free, as Barry would say, from anyone's control. Amen? We are set free from Satan's control. We're set free from guilt. We're set free from manipulation. We're set free from death and damnation. We're set free from poverty. We're set free even from self. We're set free. Our freedom was purchased by Jesus on the cross. Before Jesus fulfilled his call to be the sacrificial lamb that was prophesied to take away the sins of the world. Every person from Adam to John the Baptist was born a slave to sin, right? Sure, some people did a little better at living according to the law maybe than others, but at the end of the day, 
everybody from the Garden of Eden to the Garden of Gethsemane was a slave to sin. Amen? Except for one. Except for one. Jesus came into the world. The spotless, sinless Son of God. And he came to give his life to purchase freedom for every one of us. The Bible says it this way. As God took the weight of the sin of the world upon him, in 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says that he who knew no sin, God made to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. We could be the free people of God. Amen? Jesus took my sin so I've been set free from the power of sin, the power of death. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Turn to the person beside you and say, I'm no longer a slave. I'm no longer a slave. Does that mean I never sin? No, of course I sin. I have nasty thoughts about other drivers quite frequently. Help me, Lord. You know, have you ever noticed that you're fine, but everybody else can't drive? You ever notice that? Occasionally that, that befalls me, and I... I see that and I have to repent because that spirit of judgment comes on me. And then Jesus reminds me of the few times in my life when I have not, you know, been the perfect driver. Few. Few times. Yeah. Few times in my life. Never when you were in the car, Tom. Perfect every time then. But a few times. The reality is it's not saying that we don't sin. It's saying we're not a slave to sin. Sin does not own us anymore. Sin does not have authority over us anymore. And most importantly, sin is not held against our account anymore. This is an important thing you have to understand. Jesus, when he died on the cross, took care of all my sin. Everybody say all. All All my sin. That means sins in the past, sins in the present, and sins, wait for it, that I will yet commit. Jesus paid the price for all of them. I don't get saved from my past sins and then I'm able to live a perfect life because I'm a perfect being from that day forward and I never sin again. No. Jesus is the one who took care of my sin in the past and enables me to rise above my sin in the future. It's Jesus. Because Jesus wants me to live free. He wants me to be empowered. He wants me to be above and beyond and empowered to be liberated from sin. Amen? Now, I want to talk about that kind of liberty today. I want to talk about that kind of freedom today. And I especially want to talk to dads because it's your job as a dad to live free and to set a standard and an example of freedom in your home. As spiritual leaders, you have an assignment from God to make your home a home of faith, a home of love, a home of grace, a free place. A free space. It's your job. I want you to just pray with me right now. Father, we just thank you today that we've been set free for freedom's sake. And we ask today that you would help us focus in on this important principle of your kingdom. Because without freedom, without freedom, without liberty in Christ, we're still bound, still tied up, still wrapped up, still held back. But he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. How many have ever heard of eleutherophobia? 
exactly. Eleutherophobia. Mark has, because I told him this week, yeah. Uh, I'd never heard of it either until I started looking into it. And Eleutherophobia is not part of the kingdom. You say, what in the world is eleutherophobia? What is that? Eleutherophobia is the fear of freedom. It's the fear of freedom. Now, you might be saying to yourself, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Why would there be a, an actual name for a fear that doesn't even exist? How could somebody be afraid of freedom? But, you know, the first recorded incidence of eleutherophobia is in the book of Exodus. Did you know that? How many know your Bible real well? Right? So you know that the Israelites were 400 years slaves in the land of Egypt. And then God sent them a deliverer named Moses. And Moses was, you know, did all of the different signs before Pharaoh, right? You guys know the story and the plagues and all the stuff that came. And then finally Pharaoh said, okay, go, go, leave, go worship the Lord in the, in the wilderness. Just get out of here, right? And he releases them to go, but then he has a change of mind, right? And what happens is the Israelites are faced with the Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh's army coming behind them. And all of a sudden, the expression of elotherophobia comes right out of the Bible, right out of their mouths. This is what the scripture says, Exodus 14, verse 12. And the Israelites looked at Moses and they said, is this not the word we told you in Egypt? Saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. That's what they said. After 400 years, after 400 years, they would rather live oppressed than face an uncertain future that's free. Are you hearing me? Now you might say to yourself, that's ridiculous. Nobody would do that. But I got to tell you, I witness that fear in people's lives every single day. I see people suffering from the fear of freedom all the time. It's so common. The fear of freedom is so common in our culture. We even have a phrase that we use all the time. And you've heard the phrase before to describe somebody who's suffering from the fear of freedom. You know what that phrase is? Better the devil than the devil you don't. In other words, they'd love, rather live under the slavery to the oppressor himself than to launch out and grab a hold of the future simply because it's uncertain. We'd rather live wrapped up and bound by all kinds of, of, of things, real or imaginary, than to take that step of faith and walk in freedom. That's the truth, people. That is the truth. Alertherophobia comes described as fear of failure, fear of success, fear of loss, fear of lack, fear of loneliness, fear of commitment. Oh, there are just so many fears that come along and they cause us to push aside liberty and freedom and stay bound in a situation. Where the enemy is stealing from us every single day. No matter how it comes disguised, the fear of liberty, the fear of freedom threatens our future. It's the greatest, I think the greatest fear in the church is that fear of taking 
the freedom that Christ has given us and stepping out in it into the unknown and seeing what God will do. It holds us back continually. Holds us from our preferred future. Holds us from the things that God has for us. Maybe the problem is we don't understand what freedom is. So I'm going to help you out with what freedom is. Well, freedom, that English word, is actually translated from, guess what Greek word? Elotheria. Which is why we have that phobia that we talked about. And that word, elotheria, appears 11 times in the New Testament. And it also happens to be the name of the Greek goddess of freedom. And she was depicted in Greek mythology by Lady Liberty holding the torch. And so when you go to Staten Island in the U.S. and you look and you see her standing proud with the torch held up, that in Greek, in the Greek language, that is Eleutheria. Eleutheria. That's who's standing there holding that torch, Lady Liberty. That's who it is. But to truly understand the meaning of freedom, my handy Mac dictionary tells me it's seven different things. And I'm going to read them to you here. It is liberty, independence, exemption, right, scope, naturalness, and impudence. And you're like, what? That's what it is. It's liberty. It's emancipation, deliverance, discharge, uh, non-confinement, extrication from a situation. It's independence, self-government, self-determination, self-legislation, self-rule, home rule, sovereignty, self-sufficiency. It's exemption, immunity, dispensation, exemption, exclusion, release, relief, reprieve, absolution. It's right. It's entitlement to, privilege, prerogative. It's what is due to us. It is scope. That is latitude, leeway, margin, flexibility. You know, the ability to do what I want, go where I want, have what I want, say what I want. It's naturalness. It's openness uh, or a lack of reserve or they're a free-spirited person, right? And it's impudence, that is familiarity, someone who's overly free with somebody, uh, too uh, informal around those systems or people that they should be treating with honor and respect. These are seven definitions of freedom. And the problem is when we talk about freedom in our culture today, our culture functions only on, on definitions three through seven and misses one and two. What do you mean by that? Well, we live in a society where we all want ex freedom as exemption. We want exemption from accountability. We don't want anyone to hold us accountable for what we say or do or how we act. We want our freedom to us as our rights. We want our rights. We want what is in we're entitled to, what is due to us. That's freedom to us, right? Uh, freedom is scope. We want the freedom of alternatives. We want to be able to choose Tim Hortons or Starbucks, big box stores or local. We want the ability to, to exercise that kind of scope. We want that kind of freedom in our purview. We want the uh, freedom of naturalness. We want to be able to express our inner self in any way that we want. We want to dress how we, we feel. We want, to, we want to be able to talk how we feel. We want other people to tell us and identify us by how we feel, right? Am I making any sense to anybody? That's freedom today. Or it's impudence. We feel free to say anything to anybody and we don't think there should be any repercussions for it. That's how we treat freedom today. But when the Bible speaks about freedom, it's focusing on those first two definitions. It's talking about liberty and it's talking about independence. And I want you to catch this this morning because I think this is extremely important. Because as we understand the nature of freedom, we understand what makes the kingdom 
function. Hallelujah. In the Bible, freedom is liberty and independence. Let's look at those two words. First was liberty. And liberty means emancipation, deliverance. Uh, discharge. You know, we're coming, what is it, is, is, is it this week? Or, or uh, we celebrate Juneteenth? Is that today? Is that today? Some people go, what in the world's Juneteenth? Juneteenth is the day that we celebrate the Declaration of Emancipation that Abraham Lincoln signed into law and, and that all blacks were considered now free. And unfortunately, it took years before, uh, years, decades even before the realities of that declaration began to have effect on culture and society. But today is the day we celebrate the signing of that document. Amen? And when we talk about liberty in the scripture, we mean that same kind of liberty, emancipation lifted from the yoke of slavery and bondage to sin. Amen? We talk about liberty, we talk about deliverance from our enemy. We talk about a discharge from the punishment of sin. It's actually, we've actually got discharge papers through Jesus Christ that we no longer will pay the price for our sin. That price was paid by Jesus on our behalf. Amen? We have an extra, uh, extrication notice. We've been liberated from prison, let out by Jesus Christ. We have amnesty. In other words, amnesty means no longer can the enemy come back and try and hold something against us because we have amnesty. We are free through Jesus Christ. We can never, ever, ever, ever again be held accountable uh, for that eternally. It's taken by Jesus. That doesn't mean we don't have accountability in culture or society. But the punishment for the sin was taken by Jesus. And we have amnesty from that punishment. And then we have a pardon. That, what is a pardon? A pardon is a declaration that you are free. You have a pardon. These are all elements of what it means to be free in the scripture. It is liberty. But it's also independence. And what does independence mean? It doesn't mean what we mean, think it means in society. Independence is self-government. What does that mean? It means self control right part of the liberty we have we've been set free from the ravishes of our fleshly nature so that we can exercise self-control we have freedom we have self the ability to practice self-determination we can decide where we're going to go how we're going to do it and when we're going to do it because of the liberty in christ we have self-legislation in other words i can set and this is something paul discussed all through scripture about how something might be a sin for this person, but it's not for that person, and we can't sit in judgment over each other because we can self-legislate because of Jesus Christ. We have that independence. Self-rule. We sit as a judge of our own life. We practice self-examination. Amen? We have home rule. I have authority in my own house, and I have responsibility for the decisions that take place in my family. We have sovereignty. That's authority over my own life, and the recognition my decisions are my own. Are you hearing me? And we have individualism. That's part of independence. What does that mean? That means I don't have to go along with the crowd. That's what it means. It means I don't have to be a slave to everybody else's dictates and opinions. Just because the world does it. My parents used to say to me, just because your friends jumped off a bridge, would you jump off it too? Do you remember those kind of things your parents used to say? They were trying to communicate to you an understanding of what independence really means. It means you have the ability to not have to go with the flow. Just because everybody else is following some sin-sick trend doesn't mean you have to. You've been set free by Jesus. You have independence from that. Amen? So that's what the Bible talks about. 
It's talking about liberty and independence. That's how the Bible defines freedom. But I want to let you hear something this morning. Liberty and independence place on us, are you ready for this? Choice and responsibility. Can I say that again? Freedom biblically means liberty and independence. But in the liberty and independence place upon every human being choice and responsibility. And you cannot have liberty without choice. And you cannot have independence without responsibility. Are you getting this this morning? So in other words, you might also say that freedom is about choice and responsibility. Choice and responsibility. And this morning, I want to wrap up by focusing on choice. And then next week, I want to talk about responsibility. But today, I want to focus on choice. Jesus protects the freedom that he purchased on the cross in our life by preserving us and our walk with him through the power of choice. Choice, of course, is counterbalanced by the principle of responsibility, like I said, I'll talk about next week. And responsibility measures choice by its effects on other people. So you've been given freedom, which is choice, but you've also been given responsibility, which measures your choice by how it impacts other people. Every decision you make impacts other people. Every single decision you make impacts other people. The kingdom is the right to choose, but choice as the main engine of our lives produces consequences. Amen. Virtually all of our activities are a constant series of choices, choices about what to think, about what to say and about what to do. Everybody say that the choice about what to think about what to say and about what to do. And our choices, therefore, become a perfect reflection of the internal values we have and the level of God consciousness that we carry. People see it by your choice. Choice is also a doorway through which we accrue accountability. In other words, the more choice that you have, the more personal responsibility increases. Are you getting that? The freer a people are, the more responsible they must become. Because freedom and the right to choose demands that we take responsibility for our choices. This is really important. One cannot ultimately be uh, free from accountability as long as choice exists. See that? Because as we choose, we create consequences. So you can't separate choice from responsibility and accountability. And you would think this is logically undeniable, that as soon as I make a choice, the choice has consequences, so I need to be responsible for my choice. But our society, our society is denying the logical nature of freedom. That's why there's so much turmoil in the world today. People think and people speak and people act 
without accountability for their thoughts or for their words or for their actions. One of the things we're struggling with so much in Canada and the United States is what everybody calls their First Amendment rights, right, in the States. What is that First Amendment right, Mark? Yes, but it is, thank you, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of conscience, right? So it even puts those words of conscience, speech, and assembly. Yeah, put the American on the spot. That's the way to do it, right? <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying this morning? That the framers of the Constitution, here's the struggle we're having today, and it's the same in Canada. Our Constitution protects freedom of speech as well. But here's the problem we have. The framers of our Constitutions never envisioned a world where somebody could say something without being accountable for it. You know, if they took it out, out in the newspaper, they had to put their name on it. If they wrote a letter, they had to, you know what I mean? If they stood up on a shoebox in the middle of the market square, they were held accountable for what they said. So when they said there was such a thing as free speech, they understood intuitively there's accountability for what you say. But in our world today, we got people sitting in their underwear in their parents' basement clapping out stuff on, on Facebook and on Twitter and all kinds of things, saying all kinds of hateful, horrible stuff, and they're not accountable for it. That's not freedom of speech. Do you hear me? It's not freedom of speech. That's narcissism. That's entitlement. I should be free to say Whatever's on my heart and mind, but I need to be held accountable that those words came from me. Right. You hear me? Right. And if a person's willing to put their name on it, then put it out into the free market and we'll debate it, we'll talk about it. If need be, we'll trash it if it needs to be trashed. We'll support it if it needs to be supported. But that's what free speech really is. Anybody hear me today? Am I making any sense to anyone? Yeah. All right, come on. These are, the, these are the hard things we have to have conversations about. Otherwise, we end up seeing our freedoms taken away. Hello? Wow. <laughs> the kingdom is built on that kind of choice. And there are two Bible characters that remind us about the power of choice. Joshua and Moses, and I want to end with this. Joshua said this. After leading and, and receiving the mantle of leadership from Moses, he stood up and he said, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, so in other words, if you, if you think it's a burden to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you'll serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house... One of the greatest choice declarations ever in scripture. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. God offers us all choice, life or death, the kingdom of God or the mantle of man. You get to pick which one. A choice is yours. But then Moses reminded us and he put it this way. He said, I call on heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have placed before you life and death blessing and curse. So choose life in order that you may live and your descendants. Amen? Amen. Choose life. Yeah, the choice is before you, but choose wisely. Choose life. 
Choose liberty. Choose joy. Choose love. Hallelujah. Dads, as I conclude today, hear what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. Your children are watching you. They're watching how you choose. They're watching the decisions you make, the choices you make. Love is a choice. It's not a feeling. I mean, you can call it a feeling, but it's a choice. The feeling of love does not bind a home. The choice of love binds a home. Right? Feelings can come and go. I do not feel deep love and affection every day for my spouse. I'm just being honest. Some days we disagree on something. I'm like, oh, how can she not see so clearly what it is I'm trying to explain to her, right? But the option of leaving the relationships never on the table because love is a choice. You know, one old preacher said, choose your love, then love your choice. And that's what I did. And thank God that's what my wife did too, or else I'd be in serious trouble too. Because I know there's more than a few days that she looks and goes, really? Really? And I'm like, you know, hello. She chose her love and every day she loves her choice. And I do the same. Love is a choice. Choice becomes the foundation of marriage and of family and of community. It is. It is. Because, in other words, without the freedom to choose, do we really love it all? Think about it. Do you see how they're tied together? If you didn't have the freedom to choose, is it really love? You see, love is when we have the choice before us and we choose life. We choose love we choose commitment. We choose faithfulness. We make those choices. That is the kingdom when we exercise that choice. Hallelujah. <laughs> See, God designed choice to enable us to choose to love him. You ever wonder why there's so much darkness and despondence in the world? It's because God made humanity with a choice and we get to choose to love him. And just too many people choose poorly. Are you hearing me? We get to choose to love them. We get to choose to love our spouse as Christ loved the church. We get to choose to love our children as the gift from God that they are. God's given us that choice. The enemy wants to interfere with those choices. He wants to remove those choices. But the, whenever we see the removal of choice, it is a crime of stealing on virtually every level. Why are we repulsed by nations under oppressors? Because they take away people's ability to choose. Or at least they try to. But no social, spiritual, economic revival is possible without choice. Choose. You have the choice today, dads. You have the choice. Choose life in order that you may live and your descendants. Choose love in order that your children grow up in an environment of love. Choose this day who you will serve. God's given you the choice. And he says that if you choose life, what comes with it is abundant life. 
But if you reject life, then what comes with it is struggle, heartache, pain, difficulty. Choose this day, dads, who you'll serve. Amen? Congregation, just stand with me. This is a solemn moment before the Lord this morning. Next week, I'm going to talk about a little further on choice and talk about what choice and responsibility, how that relationship works together in more detail. Paul talks a lot about that in Scripture. Oh, he is so focused on an understanding of the responsibility that choice brings and how we need to accept that, walk with that in order to be free. But today, I believe God's given every father in this place a clear call from him to choose. Choose the path that you're going to take and set for your family. It's never too late to make that choice. Never, ever too late. I've seen men that have made that choice well on in their years and it's rewritten the entire DNA of their family. Because God's not only a God of grace, but he's a God of mercy. Amen? But I do know, just like investing for retirement, the earlier you make the choice, the better. Right? And so I want to encourage you today, dads, to make that choice. So I'm just going to ask everybody just to close your eyes before the Lord this morning. This is a solemn time between us and the Lord. And if you're here with us today and you recognize that you've been making a lot of bad choices and you hear God calling you today to choose him and you're saying I just I need prayer because I need to make better choices I need to choose God I need to choose my wife I need to choose my family I need to choose faith hope love just say would you pray for me today pastor just raise your hand and say just pray for me today yeah Said, hold them up, dads. Don't be shy. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, you see these hands lifted before you today. And I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that, Lord, they would take with great confidence a step in your direction and say, Lord, I'm choosing today. Choosing today. Life. That this, my house, will serve the Lord. And that God, you'll honor that choice. And Father, that you will empower them to be able to, Lord, exercise that choice, the freedom and the responsibility in their home, where they work, where they hang out with their friends. Father, you'd give them that ability with their children, with their spouse. Father, I thank you that you have given us not just a calling in scripture to choose but you've given us the promise that when we make the choice that you'd never leave us and never forsake us you'd be with us through every struggle every battle and you'd be with us right to the end and we thank you today in jesus name amen if you raise your hand today i would just encourage you after the service to come and talk to one of the pastors just say, you know, I need a prayer because this is where my life's been going. And one of the greatest uh, weapons we have is the Bible tells us to share our struggles one with another so that we may grow, that we may live. 
So take, take advantage of that and begin to exercise. That's one of the first choices you make as somebody who's saying, I want God. Amen.